This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Consulting, leading experts for assessing and transforming management, sales, culture, and team performance. Learn more at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. So for today's episode, should I talk like this the whole time? Or should I introduce it this way? (laughs) Well, if you talk in your high tones, men will tune you out. (laughs) Yes, I have a story about that. Did you say something, Audrey? Did you say that? (laughs) Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith. I'm the President and CEO at SalesFuel. Cindy Ashton is at our microphone today. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Hi, Cindy. Hi, how are you two doing? Good. We, we're looking for the vocal tips and the posture tips and all, actually a whole bunch of stuff. Cindy Ashton, and if you do not have the pleasure of knowing her, she is the CEO of Minerva Enterprises, LLC, an elite level presentation strategist, professional speaker, singer. You should see her sister. <laughs> yes, an award-winning TV host of Cindy uncorked on e360 tv 20 years experience and authority on presentation skills voice body language content delivery and leadership presence canadian born cindy lives yes lee well we've got a speaker speaking coach we've got a a former radio person and a former tv person like television news anchor that would be fantastic right we're gonna have a great interview You are here in the U.S. under a green card, you said, for a person of extraordinary ability. We've received awards from former President Barack Obama and Queen Elizabeth II for her lifetime of volunteerism and has appeared in multiple media, including ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, Inc. Magazine, and Forbes. And boy, has she got some great tips on speaking and uh, several other things as well. So, Cindy, welcome. Thank you, Audrey. See, we're going to have so much fun. And hello to everybody listening. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us today. So I want to just jump right in. It's like, in all your coaching that you do of speakers, what's the number one mistake that you see untrained speakers make? Oh, because I was going to say trained speakers. Can I answer that for trained and untrained? Sure. (laughs) I think that would be very interesting. Yeah. 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 So I'm kind of like the anti-speaking coach because I I see a lot of trained speakers be overly polished Mm. and a little bit too scripted. And the problem with that is that they're so busy being in their head and being perfect that they actually stop connecting to themselves and connecting to the audience and listening. And so that's the number one problem I see with a lot of trained speakers. With a lot of untrained speakers, I, I feel like the number one problem I see with them is that they don't know what they don't know. A lot of them say to me, well, Cindy, I don't need training because it's naturally, it's my natural gift and I, people rave about me and they rave about how inspirational I am. And then I'll say, great, how much money are you making from your speaking? <laughs> and and that's, the, that's the truth, is that if you are, you know, coming up and saying that I'm inspirational and people are raving about me, but no one's spending money on you or very little people are, that's an indicator that either you don't have the right platform and strategy and message and point of view that's out with the right market, or it could be that you're delivering your message in a way that takes away your power. Mm-hmm. So like or a, high, a combination of both. Uh, that's right. Yes, absolutely. Normally, it's a combination of both. So what's an area that a speaker coach can improve very quickly in a speaker? Yes. Um, 
I first look at the stress patterns in the body, and I don't know any other speaker coach that does that. But the reason why is that I could teach you a whole bunch of speech effects. I could teach you where to stand, how to move. But if you are carrying any type of stress, pain, trauma, illness in your body, that will automatically affect your body language, your speaking voice, your posture, your energy, how you're coming across. So a lot of the times when I'm working with clients, the first thing I'm doing is checking out their body language and seeing where they're holding stressors. And whether we like it or not, all of us live with some sort of stressors and we're stressed more than other days and less on other days. But we also all have certain life challenges that come up and that affects our breath patterns. All those pieces affects how we come across, which is again why I don't love traditional speaking training. I think it has its place to get you a little more comfortable with yourself, but to be truly a global thought leader, to truly be kicking butt as a leader, as a business owner, as a speaker, you need to actually learn to be in touch with your body and be present and learn how to release that stress and allow yourself to connect with other people in a grounded, real way versus this cookie cutter stuff that's really for the beginner speaker. One of your videos, it was, I've, I've had this physically happen where if you're nervous, all of a sudden you're super winded and you're like, I, I, yeah. and you have like no power behind your breath to actually, all of a sudden you, you, you have no power behind your voice. Yeah. Do you illustrate that and some of the other things that can go wrong or the other things that people do wrong? I, you're so good at vocalizing these things. I thought oh, since thank you. it might be yes. fun to hear some of these examples. Yes. So I'm so excited to talk about that. So let's talk about different body postures and how they affect your voice and how you come across. So a lot of people think, well, I need to stand tall and project my voice to be confident and get attention. But often if we you know, really stretch up and we really try to adjust our posture, what happens is, is that we end up holding tension in our throat and our chest, which does a few things. First of all, it makes you sound abnormally loud. So right now I'm straightening up and I'm holding myself in strong posture and what's happening is it sounds like I'm yelling because now I'm carrying myself with a lot of tension. But the other problem with that Aside from it, you, you sounding like you're yelling at someone and pushing your energy on them, which A, turns people off, and B, makes them, you know, doesn't want to work with you. But the other problem when you have a lot of tension in your throat and your chest, especially for women, it pushes the tone of our voice up here. And what, mm -hmm. so now I'm getting a little bit more squealy. And we hear all the time people say, I don't know why my husband tunes me out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, scientifically proven, Men are opposite from dogs. Dogs can hear super high tones and overtones that we as humans cannot hear. Whereas men are literally not as cute as dogs, but the opposite of, well, they are. There's many cute. Yes, we are. We are. You're adorable. <laughs> um, <laughs> but a lot of men, literally, scientifically, men have a harder time processing overtones and higher tones. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women are tuning men out and losing their credibility and their power. So that's one, those are a couple of examples of what happens yeah. carrying stress and tension and trying to be too articulate and confident in who you are. I thought, I call that a loud talker, oh. a loud talker, somebody, you, talk, you know, and then I thought the higher register were two separate problems, but boy, if you're a loud talker in the higher registers, you are sunk. Just, you are sunk, right. And I'm a former opera singer, so I understand voice as a presentation trainer in a way that a normal presentation trainer mm -hmm. doesn't because they haven't done 10 years of opera training. 
and understand all the resonators and how breath connects and how you phonate. And I mean, we literally had to learn all this crazy stuff around pedagogy and, um, and really understanding the anatomy of the voice. Um, on the opposite end, if you are what I call the sloucher, so instead of trying to stand tall, if you are slouching, what it does is it causes your voice to become quieter and your body language looks unconfident and you sound meek and you sound weak because you are more slouching and your voice isn't projecting because part of the air is cut off. And so automatically you don't read as credible. So those are a couple of examples of body postures that directly influence your voice and how you come across and your energy and how people perceive you. And Cindy has a video that she shared with us, me and Lee, that illustrates those where you're actually doing Posture. I will put that link in the show notes for all of you listening today so that you can go to it and see what she's talking about. Fabulous. Yeah, because there's four. So you get to see the other two. And then there's an exercise to get you into amazing posture in less than two minutes without pushing your voice. So Cindy, to be a successful speaker, how much of it is content and how much of it is performance? If you had to assign percentages to both sides, which would it be? I would say, oh, see, I, I, would, say, I would say 50-50 and 0% of either of those. 50-50 um, for sure, but I think that the deeper thing we first need to look at is having a sellable platform. Because the problem is, is that most people go right to getting their speeches written or right to um, going and taking speaking training without actually figuring out what they want to do and what the end goal is. And so that's why at Minerva Enterprises, our company, we do presentation training to propel business growth. We look at what's the end game and then we build the strategy. So you could have a really amazing content, but if it's not positioned right and it's not ordered in the right area, or you have great content, but you don't know what that deeper point of view is for a specific market that's gonna buy from you and for that specific audience, it doesn't matter if you've got great content, you have to do the foundational work first. Or for example, you might have great presentation skills and people love you, but they don't buy from you because again, you haven't done the foundational work of what's your strong point of view, for which market, and really then develop content based on the foundation. Does that make sense? You know, it makes perfect sense to me. I was also wondering then too, if, if as a manager, let's say that uh, I'm invited into the boardroom to give a presentation yeah. there, that's got to be a little nerve wracking. So it's like, how do you deal with the stage fright or the nerves or the anxiousness that, that, that comes with that before you give a presentation? Because it seems based on what you just said, that if you don't find a way to deal with that, that's going to affect the power of your yes. presentation. Absolutely. So the first thing that you need to do, there's going to be three levels of this. And the first is, is that you absolutely need to rehearse like you were an opera singer or a ballerina or a ballet dancer and really rehearse your talking points. And I'm not saying that you need to know them word for word because if you're so busy trying to be memorized, you're gonna end up, if you missed one sentence or one word, it's gonna throw you off. But it's really embodying your message and making sure that it's the right message. A lot of the times I see speakers flip because they haven't rehearsed enough, they don't know their content inside out. You have got to know your messaging, your talking points, your structure, your flow. You've gotta know that as if it's walking or sleeping. That's the first thing you need to do. Because once you have it embodied, that takes away half of your stress. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, number two, 
The second thing you want to do is get your body prepared. And again, because I come from a performing background and I've been so blessed to work with some of the top Broadway directors and performers and I've staged, you know, shared, shared stages with Emmy winners, I've learned from some of the best. And when you're learning from the best, the first thing they're doing is relaxation, learning how to release all your muscle tension, be in your body and use breath to intentionally slow yourself down and get focused. So in simple terms, an exercise I tell my clients, this is number two, is that you need to exhale longer than your inhale. Mm. So when you're going in before, there's lots you need to do for the physical, mental, emotional preparation, but the most important thing you wanna do is take that breath in, and exhale nice and long. I'm doing it now. Exhale all the air or else you're gonna get dizzy. Take <laughs> another breath in. Exhale nice and long. Exhale that air down into your feet, down into the ground. Feel your body. And do that for three, four minutes and just get yourself really grounded. Feel your feet in the ground. Because what that does is when we exhale longer than we inhale, we stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system which essentially is the side of your, like, so the sympathetic side is the fight or flight, right? You're going into panic, but the parasympathetic is about relaxation. So when you exhale longer than your inhale, it ends up focusing your mind, it slows down your speech, it relaxes your speaking voice down as opposed to a pie. <laughs> so it helps your speaking voice get dropped, it releases your muscle tension, so that you're able to go in as a grounded, focused, calm person and I go, hi, I'm so nervous, right? But it also, <laughs> also evens out your breathing. It evens out your breathing. So you're not going, <gasps> and then, right? Um, so that's the second thing. So the first is prepare, prepare, rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. The second is exhale longer than your inhale before you go in there. Do it in the bathroom stall, wherever you got to do it, do it. Number three is activate your sense memory. Again, this is an acting technique that is really key so as you when you watch a movie or a stage show and you see actors and you go wow they've really gotten you riveted and it's because they're so truthful um it's because it's coming from truth within them they're not putting on a show they're not quote unquote performing they're being they're drawing up an emotion within the self that's truthful for them in that moment and that's why we believe that somebody is you know, like a Hannibal Lecter who's gonna eat somebody, he can actually pull that off and make it truthful because he's pulling a sense memory out of his body. So how that connects into um, being a great speaker, presenter, you know, going into that boardroom and delivering is you need to find a memory that is going to trigger you into your power, your confidence, like what is that thing that brings where you feel utterly powerful and confident? And so for some people, they'll look at a picture of them graduating and that will remind them of how brilliant they are. For some people, they'll listen to music and like the eye of the tiger and they're like jumping around, bump, 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 right? And they're jumping around and their power goes up so their sense of memory is more physical. For some people like me, I just rip out an opera aria, it releases all my tension and it brings me to my joy. So it could be anything from moving around to a picture that triggers you to a specific memory. I had a client who was terrified to even pick up the phone. She wasn't a speaker. She was just a sales. She just had a business and had to sell. And she was terrified to pick up the phone. And she, so I said, what brings you joy? And 
what's a memory that brings you joy? And she had this crazy memory of her daughter when she was four years old. And she's like, hey, Susie. And she's looking around the house for her daughter. And she opens up the closet door. And Susie pops out and goes, ta-da! And she's got <laughs> chocolate all over her face. And so, right. So what my client does now is that she dials a phone number. But before she presses send, she closes her eyes. She exhales longer than her inhale. As she imagines that moment when she opens the door and she presses send, when she sees that moment of the chocolate on the face, so she's so busy wow. being in her joy and her happiness that she gets on the phone and says, hi, Audrey, C, it's so great to chat with you. I'm just following up. And she's got that tone versus, hi, um, Audrey, um, C, I was just, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Huge so. difference. Yeah. Right. So sense memories and acting are freaking brilliant. If you can figure out which are the powerful ones for you, I'm kinesthetic and musical. So I sing and I dance and I move to music to get myself in the zone. Some people just need to sit and meditate and look at a beautiful picture of the world. Some people need to physically do some, like you just have to figure out what's going to trigger you. Some people it's a, it's a, it's a memory. So you just have to figure out what those triggers are and get those sense triggers and those sense memories triggered right before you you walk in. You touched on authenticity there in, in that third point a, a little bit. And I read yeah. something where you said that, you know, even though that's the buzzword today that everybody needs to be authentic, that being <laughs> so authentic is maybe not so authentic. Is that, can you explain what you're meaning there? Yes. Okay. So I love the idea of authenticity, but the problem is, is that I feel like People are like, I'm going to be my authentic self. And then they create personas instead of being their authentic self. <laughs> it's, a, it's the strangest thing where it's like they're putting on a show because they're trying to show that they're authentic as opposed to being, capital B-E, being in your presence <laughs> and just being real. Uh -huh. um, so I see people and I'm like, what? So that was one of the reasons is that I love the authenticity piece, but I feel like people are creating fake personas and perceptions of the world of what their authenticity is, is, is as opposed to being real. But the second piece is, is that I feel like everyone's being told to tell their story because we all have powerful stories. But the problem is, is that a lot of people, when they tell their stories, it's either not positioned correctly to what they're selling of how that story directly affects the buyer and or they're telling their story as therapy and they're not ready to tell their story. So the audience or the buyer feels sorry for them and wants to heal them instead of buy from them. <laughs> so I feel like people are being told to tell their story. And then these people who are going through horrible tragedies are trying to save the world instead of dealing with their own shit and mm -hmm. telling these stories that takes away their truth and brings them to a place that's less powerful and less of who they truly are. I love it. I, when I used to, it's funny when I was on television, people would say to me, oh, you're exactly the same off air as you are on, except you're much taller. Well, okay. I'm in your little box. You I'm, are taller. I am tall. But then I would say, And the weather guy's sitting on a phone book too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. My co-anchor sitting on a phone book next to me because he was short. But the, th the thing was, we did have some people, anchors and reporters in the newsroom that had an affectation. The red light went on on the camera and they would go from being like, blah, blah, blah. And they'd be like, today, you know, like, so not who they were, just completely like a flicking a switch on and off. It was weird. Yes, they were being authentically their persona. <laughs> Fake authenticity. So, yeah. Audrey, you and I have the problem, the opposite problem, because when people meet me in pop person, they're like, oh, you're so little. You have such a personality on, on in all your pictures, and then I see you, and you're so little. And I'm like, oh, okay. 
Yeah, and your point is you yeah. pack a big punch though <laughs> I know. so it's minerva.ceo we got a few minutes left so other than working with a coach like you and i want you to tell people about how they can reach you and you know enlist you for help the one final thing lee and i wanted to find out was okay so i've worked with you and i'm ready to go and how do i actually secure paid speaking engagements you had a thought on that yes um that's the thing is that people are looking for a magic bullet and they're like, great, I've built my platform. And well, first of all, when we work with clients, we actually teach them how to get paid bookings and we train their team and their assistants on how to do oh, it. There you go. Okay. Um, so we actually train people how to do it. And we have a speaker council where we actually give them hundreds of qualified leads because the researching part alone to find the right gigs takes a ridiculous, like it could literally eat up your entire day. It's, it's crazy. So we do all that for people, but I just want to bust a myth because people think, oh, well, I'm a great speaker. I've got my platform together. I'm just going to go and get speaking bureaus to list me. And a speaking bureau isn't working for you. They're sourcing out gigs and they're matching them with the most, you know, highest paid speakers they can so they can make their commission. Um, so people think that there's a magic bullet and there's just not, you got to go out like the rest of us and hustle and build connections, but you have to do it strategically. Um, which is where I see people are faltering. They're every, they're like, I can speak to everybody and they're throwing pasta against the wall and nothing is sticking. It's about mm -hmm. being strategic and knowing where decision makers actually hang out and meeting with them and knowing how to actually build those relationships. Got it. So your Twitter is Cindy Ashton and yes. at Minerva Speakers. It's M-I-N-E-R-V-A Speakers, everybody. She's also everywhere. She's LinkedIn, Facebook, the whole deal. This was fun. We oh, should do this more often. Yeah. More often. Thank you. And I hope that uh, everyone will reach out to you. I, I think you're a fantastic coach and an amazing opera singer. And uh, oh, I will put you. the uh, posture <laughs> thing in the show notes too, so everybody can get instruction in that. Since this is, you know, theater of the mind, we're doing yeah, that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. The body language isn't going to work too well on radio, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, I am, puppets. <laughs> Thanks, Cindy. Awesome. Thanks, you too. That was a blast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.